FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 142 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. Yeah, D. Snyder's not really my hero either, Venable. And I'm joined by special guest John. I can sprint to the closest hospital in 45 minutes flat, Wilson. I, I'm trying to get down to 39. <laughs> Just keep practicing, keep practicing. This is episode 142, wow. Yeah. This is the episode where Wolverine gets blasted by a sentinel on the cover. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, if you go by uncanny numbers, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty cool cover. That is a cool cover. Yeah, so thanks for coming on, John. A little bit of intro for you, and I'll try not to get too buttery, but um, uh, John, of course, has kind of been all over the uh, podcast map, and in fact, of a couple of defunct podcasts that I really miss, one of the first comic book podcasts I ever listened to was your uh, Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Oh, yeah, that was a good show. Yeah, that was a great show, and I, I remember uh, that and, and a show called, I think it was Batman Legends, maybe? And, um, Legends of the Batman, yeah, two of my friends did that one. I wasn't in, on there, but some of my friends did it. Yeah, yeah, that and then a movie podcast called Yeah, It's That Bad. Those are my three, like, most missed podcasts. <laughs> uh, I'll have to pass on to the Michaels that you missed their show. That oh, was yes. a good show. I really like some Golden Age, and Golden Age Batman is fun reading. Yes, yeah, that was a really good show. Um, and, and, of course, John also is currently, besides doing his, uh, when you have two or three Superman podcasts. I well, I, I have done one in the past that is okay. currently, you know, sitting there waiting for more episodes. But I have one that I'm currently putting efforts into about uh, more current stories of Superman called The New 52 Adventures of Superman. Yes, which is a good show as well. And then tying into what we're going to talk about tonight, he and his daughter Lily have an amazing podcast uh, called Avengers Inspiration, which you kind of just told me about it. Somehow I missed it, but I've been uh, been catching up. I think in the last couple of weeks, I've listened to about 20 episodes or so, and it's, it's one of my favorite new shows. So I just wanted to say thanks a lot for coming on. Well, I appreciate you giving us a listen. It's it's a show that she and I started when she was little. You can hear her get older. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually had her voice change while the show's been on. <laughs> I haven't got that far yet, but that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, so she goes back and listens to the early episodes, and she's like, wow, that was like, I was a fetus. <laughs> and... Uh, so, but no, we talk about the uh, classic Avengers-related comics, basically all the comics that feature characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you got your Iron Man and your Thor and your Hulk and your Ant-Man, um, and eventually the actual team, the Avengers. So right. that's been that's been a lot of fun to do. And, and it's very fun to listen to as well. The dynamic they have together is superb. Oh, and Spider-Man's on there too. Um, and you may be asking yourself, well, that's all fun, but what does that have to do with Wolverine? Well... I'm glad you asked. Turns out, for our flashback episode, that Wolverine turns up in Captain America Annual Number 8. And of course, he's been around Captain America a little bit before in both of the previous Secret Wars. And in fact, this even kind of plays off the dynamic that was established there. But this is kind of his first time to go one-on-one and team up with Captain America. And just considering, like... You know, in the future, they all kind of get tied together in the Weapon Plus program that kind of ties uh, the Super Soldier program into Weapon X and all that jazz. 
So they kind of have an intertwined history, and I thought this first kind of legit team-up would be a, a good episode to do by itself. And John was kind of the first person in line that I wanted to have on, and we were able to work it out, so here we are. It's interesting to think about these two characters as later on getting a lot more back history established between them, but yeah. right now they just don't have that. Right. Um, I was actually just earlier today recording an episode on the Avengers Defenders War for another show that I'm involved with that's run by a different guy called Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast oh, because wow. they make cameos in that. And there's a Catch America and Submariner meetup in there. And in 1973, Captain America and Submariner had very little history together. Really? They had two team-ups in the Golden Age and one fight when, when a, an Avengers 4 when Cap first came back. Right. But later, of course, they're going to get all the Invaders stuff that yes. you know makes them a part of a team and friends and everything, but that just hadn't happened yet. <laughs> oh, retcons. <laughs> Yay, retcons. Well, Wolverine's never been retcons. So. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. It's, it's funny. We're actually in the middle of a big uh, group of issues in the flashbacks where you're constantly reminded that the claws were given to him. You're like, ooh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and the right. only thing you can kind of say is, well, maybe he just meant the adamantium part of it. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of have to do a little bit of headcanon tweaking in that one to make it work because, yeah. because it just doesn't. And actually, I remember... You told me I was going to be. I should talk about some of my history with Wolverine. But one thing about my history with Wolverine is, whenever I read Origin, I hadn't read a whole lot of recent comics before that, and I haven't read a whole heck of a lot of Wolverine over the years. He's a character I've always liked, just never really delved that far into. So when I read Origin, I was like, oh wow, and I was kind of blown away by the scene of the child with the with the bone claws and everything. Right, and then. And a couple years later, just within the last few months or a year, I was talking to my brother because he and I grew up with comics together. And I was like, so I think that the fact that he had bone claws as a kid, I think that's a retcon. I, th- I think that like there are scenes of him talking about getting his claws as part of Weapon X. He's like, yeah, dude, that's totally a retcon. I've always known that he was, you know, he always <laughs> – that was always part of Weapon X before. Right. So, but yeah. yeah. In fact, another kind of Wolverine cap story that we'll get to – uh, quite probably quite a ways away in in the podcast, but um, there's a scene in the Jim Lee era of Uncanny X Men before the split into two books, where they do a flashback story with Cap and Wolverine from World War Two, and uh, in that they try to be all clever and do like foreshadowing, and Wolverine grabs like these spikes that are like fake claws, and you're like, well, he didn't really need those; he had bone claws, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one that has Cap and Wolverine and Black Widow on the cover? Yes, that's such an amazing cover. Yeah. Okay. The co- I haven't read the issue, but the cover is one of those that sticks out of my mind. Yeah. That's a Captain America issue, isn't it? No, it's a, it's an Uncanny. No, it's, it's a Captain America though. It, it's an Uncanny. Yeah, I think it's like two sixty eight or. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Something cool. like that. Oh, I'll get to it eventually. Um, I have to confess for the listener that. Um, I am in the middle of a Captain America read-through, and I am in the middle of a Wolverine slash X-Men read-through, but there, there, there's a bit of a gap between where I've reached and the one we're talking about today. So it, uh, as we go through the story, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up. They're like, hey, Captain America was doing some stuff here that I have no clue what this is all about, but it's pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> or not so awesome in the case of the would-be Teen Brigade. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Right, right, right. All right, well, um, John, before we get to the issue, I think you've talked about some of this on your various shows before. But just for the sake of, of this podcast, uh, why don't you give just a brief kind of origin story of how you got into comics? So I, I, I'm sure that, in fact, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know that we 
probably picked up the random comics at gas stations and stuff when you could do that. Right. But my earliest permanent comics memory is that whenever I was roughly six years old and had the chicken pox, I had these three paperback books. Now, this was in the mid 80s, but they were published in the late 70s that between the three of them, they collected the first 20 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, nice. And so I had the first 20 issues of Ditko Spider-Man and, of course, Amazing Fantasy 15 as, like, my comics primer Bible thing for for years. (laughs) I read those things so many times. So around 1990, we actually went to an LCS, and I was able to get uh, comics off the stands. Um, I picked up Amazing Spider-Man 341 was my first Spider-Man issue, which is where he's standing on the cover all powerless, Okay, is that um, Bagley era or is that before that? Yes. Okay. No, that's actually just before Bagley. Eric Larson is still doing it. Okay, cool. But it is the big eye, uh, Togwit Farlane clone era. And not not clone clones, but yeah. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not clone saga, <laughs> just copycat. Right. <laughs> And to be honest, I always enjoyed the idea of the X-Men, and and I I liked whenever they showed up and stuff. And one of the first Wolverine stories I read was whenever he showed up in Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man book, Going After the Wendigo. Nice, yeah. Yeah. So I just, I didn't really feel like I had an entry point into the X-Men. I didn't mind picking up a random Spider-Man comic because I knew Spider-Man. Right. But I didn't feel like I knew the X-Men well enough to just go and grab an issue. I, I have... I have problems when it comes to starting stuff from the beginning. Right. So, I do too. Um, yeah. So I knew Wolverine from that story. We did when we saw it randomly in a Walden books, pick up the Frank Miller Wolverine graphic novel. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, with the sort of gray beige cover, uh, yeah. and read through that. And that was really neat. And just, just through cultural osmosis, we really liked Wolverine and the X-Men. So whenever the cartoon started up in 93, we were there with bells on, but either we didn't know how to work the schedule or the schedule was messed up in our area. Cause I swear we only ever saw the six, the first six episodes. Really? Yeah. That's and funny. we saw those like in repeats a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we would tune in to watch the X-Men and, right. Oh, it's Magneto again. <laughs> so, oh, um, and then we ended up getting those early episodes on tape. So, it's only been in my adult life when I've gone back to comics, which was inspired by the Iron Man film. Okay, when Iron cool. Man came out, I decided I'd, I'd never read Iron Man comics. I'll go read some Iron Man comics. And, you know, they, they have so many different ways of accessing archived issues, like those DVD collections that they put out yes. in the mid-2000s and, and other, you know, ways that we won't discuss. Um, <laughs> I love – I don't remember what episode it was, but it was one of your early – uh, Avengers inspirations. You talked about the rental place. Uh, yeah. And we'll leave it at yeah. that, but I thought that was really funny. <laughs> so, um, I started reading comics and started, and that's when I got into, it was able to sit down and actually start reading some X-Men. So I read all the Oh five, uh, issues, the first 66 issues, then got into Claremont. And, um, you know, I've been working through and reading it through. And of course, Wolverine's always been a point of fascination for me. He's one of my favorite characters in the X-Men franchise. Hold on one second. Okay. My boy's gonna tell me a joke. One second. Okay. Use the fork, Luke. Use the fork, Luke. I do. (laughs) If he's eating with his fingers, his dad says, "Use the fork, Luke." (laughs) I can't promise I'll edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Um, Okay, so yeah. 
and like I said, I, I, I've been trying to, to get through it. I'm just, there's a bit of a gap between where I am in my reading and where you are in your show. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, it's good stuff. Well, good deal. So I guess was you ready, ready to dive into some comics? I've got it open in front of me, Captain America Annual 8 with the badass cover of Wolverine and Captain America duking it out. Or yeah. meddling it out with its shield on claws action. Yeah, this is uh, by Mike Zeck. Of course, of Secret Wars fame, and also he did, uh, what did he do? He, I know he had a Spider-Man run and a little Cap run himself. Probably, I think this is right after his Cap run, if I remember right. Um, because by this time, we're almost to the point where Cap quit, or where Steve Rogers quits being Cap. Again. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of on the tail end of his Cap stories, and of course he's about to do... Um, Craven's Last Hunt. So, yeah, so pretty sweet cover by Mike Zeck. There's a lot of yeah, fire the on Punisher, there. Yeah, uh, series just before this, Four Issues of Punisher. Yes, yeah, the first miniseries Punisher, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I love how Wolverine, even though he doesn't have an ongoing series at this point, he does have a logo. <laughs> yes, he has a font. <laughs> right, that W is there in full effect. Definitely. So, yeah, I like the cover quite a bit. It's, it's a little fiery, kind of for no reason. But um, I understand like maybe a little spark when the adamantium claws hits the uh, adamantium plus they call it shield. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, but what's all like the explosion coming out of the back of the shield? Yeah, I don't know what that is. That's um maybe just maybe may, maybe there's explosives. Maybe he brought his explosive claws today. <laughs> maybe so. Or perhaps there's a little C4 package on the on the cover of the shield there for no reason whatsoever. Right, yeah. And he just, he lit it. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about Captain America's packages. We're just not going to do that. No, 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 no. I guess not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's very patriotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it stands up in salute. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> Right. The only weird thing about this cover is that Captain America's face is just a little bit too yeah. cartoony. He has Zek face for sure. And th- we'll talk about that a little bit too as we go through this. There's a particular thing I like to call Zek chin that, that'll rear its head several times in this issue. But poor Zek just can't help it. He always always does funny stuff with the chin. So, But yeah. So, this is written by Mark Gruenwald, which I think we mentioned. Uh, Mike Zach does the pencils. John Beatty, or is it Beatty maybe, does the inks. Jim Novak does the letters. Glennis Oliver does the colors. And uh, Mike Carlin of Superman fame is the editor. Oh, okay. And, and I, I, don't know, I don't know how much of a DC person you are, but his tenure on Superman is, is possibly one of the... The height of the character's career. Okay, what period was was that before or after this? That was after this. He, I guess, he went to DC from there. He, um, late '80s through the death and return and into the '90s. Oh, that is a good period. Yeah, he, he's the one who brought about the triangle numbering system. He's the oh. he kind of they called it marvelizing Superman with the whole idea of interconnected subplots that last over long periods of time, but. Right. But I was talking about this with a friend of mine recently. I think Superman marvelized Superman better than Marvel did Marvel. Because <laughs> when Mike Carlin was covering it, was on that book or on that character, those books were they, they were jammy. It was great. Yeah, that was a good period. I'm, I'm, I'm reading what I have of that period right now, actually, so which is not a whole lot. Um, 
I didn't really get into Superman in, in comics till much, much later. Uh, but I remember I bought all the death stuff because I thought it would be worth money. And then <laughs> and then I've gone back and got a little bit of that. I actually really, the last couple of years, I've been on just a huge, like, kind of grab little bits of everything I could from all the John Byrne runs. Mm-hmm. And so I got the Man of Steel miniseries and then his kickoff into both super books after that. And so I read through, I got a big chunk of that that I found and then been reading a little bit spotty after that, between that and death. But what I have, well, I, I enjoyed. I put a, put a podcast bug in your and the listener's ears. Um, yeah. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Okay, cool. They, they, um, they're doing a linear coverage like you do on your flashbacks. Right. Starting just after Crisis on Infinite Earths with that John Byrne Man of Steel miniseries. Okay. And they're doing all the Superman comics up until Infinite Crisis where that continuity comes to a close. Ah, so gotcha. um, they're in the about to start 1995 now. So they've oh, wow. done about nine years of the, of the book. Nice. I'll have to check that out. But anyways, should I, should I talk about what's going on here on the front cover here? Not the front cover, front front page? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you uh, kick off our little uh, synopsis slash summary? There is a massive bar brawl going on, <laughs> and Wolverine can't give two fucks. No. Um, <laughs> he is just sitting there with his cigar. He's, like, pouring the ashes off of it as all these people are fighting behind him. And there's, like, yelling and screaming and grunting. Basically, you, you don't really realize it at first, but a whole bunch of bar brawlers have pig piled on this one guy and Wolverine's sitting there not even inner monologuing there there's a narration going on right um you find out that the guy they're attacking is a mutant stinking mutie scum teach you to come in a straight bar <laughs> maybe it means Which, a little uh, bit something different nowadays but um <laughs> but you know with the metaphor for mutants it works sure yeah it actually does work pretty well <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was funny because uh you know Wolverine's kind of a brawler by nature Right. And looking at this front, going back to the front page, it almost looks like he's kind of mopey, like he's too depressed to fight. Do you ever think that whenever Wolverine's sitting like that with his hand resting on his face, he <laughs> ever just like pops his claws into his own skull? Right. Because he knows that they won't go through the adamantium skull <laughs> and his skin will heal. Actually, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, there was a much, much later in our continuity when they rebooted Marvel Team Up like in the early 2000s. Okay. There's a scene where Spider-Man webs him up with his hands to his, his temples to like trap him so he can't go kill somebody or whatever. And the way he gets out of it is he pops his claws and the, they stick against the adamantium and eventually force his hands away from his skull like slowly and excruciatingly. <laughs> oh, as he's pushing the claws out, yeah. the force is pushing his hands away from his head. Right, because it Ouch. can't go through that his skull. That reminds me of what we're going to see later at the end of this book. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. So so they're fighting, and basically, um, big, tall, bruiser, white, bald dude, who is the mutant, has taken everyone out. Yes. And he leaves, and Wolverine decides to follow him. The guy calls himself Bob Frank, which, you know, longtime readers of the Avengers will recognize as the name of an old-school, timely character called the Whizzer, <laughs> who... Um, who peed on everybody, apparently. I guess. I don't know what if, if just... Words didn't mean the same thing in the 1940s. Not to Stan Lee, they didn't. <laughs> no, but um, but yeah, he was he was a spe- he was Marvel's or Timely's rather speedster. Okay. Uh, back in the 40s, and then, of course they had Quicksilver in the 60s, but they revived the Whizzer as um, the father of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. 
What? Yeah. The first explanation for Quicksilver's and Scarlet Witch's parentage is that they were the children of Bob Frank the Whizzer and whatever her real name was uh, that was Miss USA or something like that. <laughs> and I don't um, this. because I, I don't know if they, if they decided to link it because of the speed or what. Right. But um, whenever they later decide to make Magneto th- their parents, that's actually a retcon of an already established parentage story. Well, isn't actually so then. According to that, though, then it'd be a retcon of a retcon. Because when they get to Magneto, they're retconning that from the Wondagore gypsies. So this predates that, or is that the same thing? This predates that. Wow. Wow, I actually, those poor I, kids. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're not even Magneto's kids anymore. No, no, now they're who knows what. <laughs> um, so anyways, Wolverine follows the guy and yeah. loses his trail sort of unexpectedly. Yeah, after he tells the bartender, keep the change, bub. Right. He's on a road and he hears a whump and he leapfrogs over the road. He's very nimble uh, <laughs> there, that top panel on page five. Yes. And he sees a giant robot beating up on Bob Frank Jr., who is evidently the son of the wizard, used to be called Nuclo, used to have these supervillain nuclear powers, but evidently now he's just a mentally deficient dude. Right. Yeah. I believe the no no word they use in the comic is mildly retarded. Yeah, which really used to be okay to say, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> social mores change. Right, yeah. So, a couple of things. First of all, the Hoppy Wolverine is a Mike Zek thing that he did in Secret Wars. So, he's all I, about making Wolverine yeah. hop around. And then, of course, on the bottom of that page, we get an awesome double snicked as Wolverine flies through the air. But I want to draw attention to this robot. Because I read this whole issue, and I was like, who the hell does that robot look like? And I was scratching my head and thinking, and I kept, like, it reminds me of breakfast. Why does it remind me of breakfast? And I couldn't connect it, and finally it dawned on me. I don't know if you remember any, any of these ads from when you were a kid, because I think we're roughly the same age. But in the mid-'80s, there was a robot from Captain Crunch commercials called Sogmaster. <laughs> oh, dear, Jason, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I Googled it, and, and they look almost exactly alike. And so, so this okay, robot. I've got to see if this if this drives a memory in my head. The Sogmaster. <laughs> yeah. Back when serial commercials involved superheroes and supervillains. Yes. Uh, I don't want to watch the video. Just bring up an image of the. So- oh yeah, the Sogmaster. <laughs> I didn't know he had that name, but I certainly recognize the bad guy. I didn't. I didn't remember the name either. I actually, I ended up googling like Captain Crunch robot, just seeing if it would if I was right. And it told me all the information. Apparently, they were uh, actually in the comics at some point. Against the Stogmaster in some of these images. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting opening scene. I made I made a note about the straight bar line just because I thought that was funny. <laughs> but also on the top of that page, actually, yeah, top of page two, panel one, the fellow sitting at the bar's name is Logan. If he ever had a first name, no one's ah. used it in years. Yeah, let's get into it. Mark, all right, so I don't, this is Mark Gruenwald's first stab ever at Wolverine. Okay, first time he's ever written a story with him. He kind of takes it on himself <laughs> to add a lot of little trivial tidbits about Wolverine that don't really stand up. Um, and this is the first one. And we'll talk about some more as we get there. But um, but yeah, so he, he talks about how Logan is the last name and he doesn't really have a first name. And of course later, you know, you talked about origins earlier. Later we'll find out it's really neither. It's just a name he kind of adopted, but 
or was given because he couldn't remember anything else. Right. I did think it was interesting that that you know we're acknowledging the idea of this guy's mysterious past. He's, yes. He's just called Logan. No one really knows why he's just called Logan. He's just called Logan. Right. And he's it's a soccer like player. It's, it, it's it's kind of like Madonna. I mean, it's just a, right. it's just a name. <laughs> Madonna and Pele. When you're that cool, you don't need two names. No. So I, I should actually just start using one name because I am that cool. Yeah. You should go by M. <laughs> no, d- didn't some chick in the X Men already beat me to that? Oh yeah, 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 she did. <laughs> so, well, in um, fact, actually, before we leave page five, we get another thing where Gruenwald decides to um, let us know exactly how long Wolverine's claws are. They are twelve inches. Twelve inch claws. That's yeah. That's believable. They yeah. nest in his forearm. The forearm's <laughs> you know a little over a foot long. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, but I'm pretty sure this is the first and last time they ever give us an exact measurement. <laughs> are they sure they're not like Batman's ears and they're just as long as the artist wants them to be at any given time? Yeah, pretty much. Because if you ever look at like Sam Keith Wolverine or... <laughs> yeah. Like, they they, they, um, they kind of defy space and time very often. <laughs> they're adamantium clothed um, time vortexes, space vortexes. Right. Um, so Wolverine fights a giant robot. Yeah. For like two pages. Yeah. Which, you know, as a Superman fan, I, I like myself a good giant robot fight. Right on. And, but the giant robot flies away with his, uh, boot jets and Wolverine tends to Bob Frank, who got his skull smashed into a rock with a ganache. <laughs> yeah. And, and it says his wounds are serious, very serious. I'm like, yeah, they sure as hell should be. Right. You got your head smashed into a rock by a giant robot. So they're going to go to the hospital. I love on the uh, the last panel on page seven, we get Wolverine's sad face. He's just a sad face. He's so sad. <laughs> his, his eyebrows are crinkled in his mask. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, we get another weird, very specific uh, tidbit that Wolverine can run to the hospital in 10 miles in a full-out sprint in just under 40 minutes. Like, this You're is, right. Know, These are some oddly specific details. Yeah, very specific. Did you ever read, um, growing up, did you ever read the uh, G.I. Joe comic book? Oh, dude, no, I didn't, but I'm in the middle of a read-through. I'm like 55 issues in. Oh, okay, so then you can relate. So what, when I read stuff like this, it always makes me think of Larry Hama, who went out of his way... And I love G.I. Joe to death. Love the comic book. It was the first comic I ever read. It's kind of how I got into comics. It was my it was my gateway drug. But he, at every opportunity, wanted you to know just how much he knew about the military. Mm-hmm. And he is so super like, this weapon was made by this and has this many rounds and shot, you know. <laughs> and so whenever I read, like, just. That would, that, would, that would be suited to a military story. Right. But not so much to the realms of fantasy. <laughs> I feel like Gruenwald, like, took it upon himself to, like, task, task himself to, like, write the uh, non-existent wiki page for Wolverine at this time. Like, well, you know, this run... is 1986, and that G.I. Joe comic is firing all thrusters. He might be trying to emulate it intentionally. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the height of Transformers and G.I. Joe popularity right yes, here. Yes, very much. My my son and I have been watching through all of the Transformers, and we, we've made it through the three seasons of G1, and we're just starting into the Japanese Headmasters cartoon. Oh, wow. But while we were doing that, 
We've also been reading the U.S. and U.K. Transformers comics. Nice. Along the way, and it has been an awesome experience. Good deal. So the episodes hold up pretty well? Most of them do. Um, there's occasional weird racism <laughs> with the <laughs> Middle Eastern and other, you know, brown people cultures. Right. Um, that is not nearly as bad as some other cartoons. Did, That's good. But it's there. Yeah. But for, as far as the plots and the stories go, the first two seasons are really good. The third one is a bit more silly than I remembered it being, but it's it's there. That's cool. But yeah, he's 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 had fun with it, and we've had fun going through it. And the UK stuff, I'd never read. I'd read the Marvel US series, but never read the UK stuff before. And it really fleshes out the cart the, the comic book saga and makes it makes it richer. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've never read any of that either. So. It, it's it's worth reading, and I, that's why I started reading the GI Joe is because I know that those worlds intersect from time to time. Right. I never read it before, so I thought, hey, I'll give GI Joe a try, see if I like it, and I liked it, so I've been reading it. Yeah, it's really good. The play between like Snake Eyes and how they kind of way too conveniently interconnect everybody, but it's still really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- there is a lot of interconnected subplot thing in that book and so it's hard to keep track of it but they put that yearbook out every year right so it sort of just refreshes my mind of all the stuff that's going yeah. on your book which uh one of those had like a michael golden cover and yeah there's some pretty good pretty good stuff in that yearbook stuff yeah so we go to quickies burgers uh just off interstate 194 this uh, is uh your your sex and sandwiches restaurant <laughs> quickies burgers <laughs> uh, not that kind of sandwich <laughs> 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 but yeah, and it's uh, 20 minutes from the heartland of America. I'm assuming Gruenwald means it's exactly 20 minutes from... Right, yeah. from some place called Heartland. <laughs> right, <laughs> Heartland, USA. Um, and uh, literally, Captain America and some police officers are looking at a hole in the ground. Yeah, out of nowhere. It, the scene really does kind of feel out of nowhere because you're right in the middle of something, but you're not right in the middle of whatever you were right in the middle of on the last page. Right, right. And, of course, a lady makes a comment. She says, see that man, Billy? He's a real hero, not like D. Snyder. <laughs> Yay, 80s. <laughs> yeah. Which was this? Is this right in the middle or is this? This has to be, right? Like, 86, that's like right in the middle of all the Tipper Gore stuff. I don't know that much of, okay. like, all the stuff that goes around the world. I, I know that it's a Twisted Sister reference, but yes. that's, yeah. that's as far as I got. I think this is right around the time he, like, went before Congress and talked about, like, obscene music and stuff like that and oh okay yeah i do remember the, uh, that music scare oh gosh i read one of those books too about <laughs> how uh dungeons and dragons and rock music were satanic and evil oh, for you and right <sighs> yeah yay the 80s yeah <laughs> aren't we so glad that america's grown past a lot of that wait yeah oh well, you know <laughs> <laughs> well so cap being cap he uh, jumps right in that hole <laughs> Yeah. Because he is at a place called Quickie Burgers, so you jump in the hole as soon as you can. Um, and he's down there exploring. <laughs> he doesn't okay. He, he doesn't jump in the hole. He, like, jumps head first onto the ladder. Yeah, that's very strange. Yeah, so on the... He's like, Phew! ladder. Ladder. <laughs> totally, yeah. He's, like, diving, and then, yeah, then he's climbing down a ladder. It, you know, it reminds me, this is a comic, so this shouldn't have happened, but it looks like... When they film two scenes and then when they edit them together, they don't match. Mm, like they film yeah. one scene of him jumping and one scene of him climbing, and then in the final edit, they kind of went together, but they're not really together. 
or, or like those um, those old Batman serials where he's punching people and his cape falls off, and you cut away to the outside people and you cut back and he has his cape back on, and he's still fighting. Right. <laughs> exactly. But there's no uh, film crew to blame this on. It's just Zach. It, yeah, it's just the art. This is a weirdly weird. Twi- I'll let you know what happens. But this is a, this was a fascinatingly odd sequence. Yeah, it really is. So basically, it's like Cap playing what's behind door number one. And then, you know, they do like one through five. So basically, (laughs) he's down in this underground uh, system. He finds like this door. It's exactly six inch steel. Which, by the way, in case you didn't know, it's a good door for a vault or a bomb shelter. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know, Gruenwald probably measured. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) So, uh... He opens the door and says, there are the men. <laughs> the men that we knew would be down here. But I guess he's referring to the cops at this point. So, yeah. And then well, there's, there's, yeah, there were tra- people trapped down there. So he finds them and they're dead. Yeah, they're dead uh, by a faint aroma of chlorine, which obviously is phosgene gas. Don't know what that is. Obviously. Yeah. But uh, luckily, Cap was an Eagle Scout. So, you know, he recognizes all his gases. He's also Captain America, dude. <laughs> true, true. And he realizes there's no handle on the inside of the door, so he makes his own door stop with his shield. Of course, the door shuts, and the gas starts coming on when the door shuts. Now, this begs a question as far as booby trap strategy. You would think that the door closing would set off the gas, but apparently it's just the door starting to close which shuts off the gas. <laughs> Maybe the mechanism that causes the door to close is also the mechanism that turns on the gas, and they just assume the door is going to close whenever the mechanism makes it close. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. But, but yeah, and, and it turns out the guys aren't dead, or, or if they were, they're not dead anymore because they're responding to oxygen when they get up there. Yes. Um, but green gas, he does come back down with the gas mask on, so he doesn't get gas himself. So, yeah, so he brings them up, and then he goes back down with the gas mask, which he um, promptly takes off. <laughs> Not to need that anymore, evidently. Yeah. Right. And I like how he's using his shield to carry a bunch of rocks. <laughs> so he can stop more doors in case he needs to. This place looks like it's going to have a lot of doors. Yeah, yeah. And so he goes through door number one, goes through door number two, and then right behind door number, th- right before he gets to door number three, the floor opens up to your classic spikes. And uh, Cap puts his shield on his back and it lands on the spikes. And actually, we get a pretty cool panel on the uh, top of page 12 with Cap sitting on his shield and kind of his arms spread out on top of the spikes. Really awkwardly, I'm glad we're at this position and we don't have the the camera at the other end of Cap. (laughs) Right. If not my impenetrable shield, I'd be having steak for supper. Oh, Cap, you're such a kidder. Yeah. You know what my my least favorite part about that was? What? If you're going to go with a bad pun, Gruenwald, go all the way. Say, um, I'll be having steak for dinner. Medium rare. <laughs> Medium rare. And I'm so glad this is not live action because I imagine, I mean, I'm just shuddering even thinking about the sound of his shield along those spikes. Yeah, yeah. So basically he kicks his feet off the wall, repels himself, shield first across the tops of all the spikes until he goes far enough that he feels like he can flip up. Because, you know, Captain America. <laughs> right. <laughs> because Captain America. <laughs> so then he gets through door number three, and we find out there's machine guns 
and he slides on the floor as the, the bullets bounce off his shield. He gets through yet another door, and he finds a table. A table that is now empty, but is surrounded by footprints. And it says it's a boiler room. I don't know about you, but every time I hear the words boiler room, I think of A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> that series of movies that I grew up with because boiler rooms were a thing there. Seriously, every single time in my life, if someone's a boiler room, I'm thinking of finger claws along pipes. Well, that's, that's much better image than thinking of that crappy, um, early aughts movie. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, there's that too. They tried to do something cool with that. It just didn't quite work. No, no, it didn't quite work. But, um, so then soon, Cap is back topside. He talks to some guy that may or may not have a Fu Manchu, depending on what panel you look at. Um, <laughs> and he knows the history of the place. There was uh, the Schumann place, and uh, he was a retired government worker. So this gets Cap's wheels and wings spinning, and um, he puts on his little uh, doohickey, his motorcycle helmet, jumps on his Cap motorcycle, Let's just pause for a second to talk okay. about the motorcycle and the helmet thing here because, <laughs> oh my gosh, the, the the helmet has like a blue mohawk stripe and then red and white stripes vertically around the side. Hell yeah, it does. That's a look. And a red, white, and blue motorcycle. And I'm just thinking, okay, someone saw the late 70s TV movies of Captain America and decided to do their version of the cool version of that. Yeah, yeah, they so, did. I, I, I'd never seen these before. These were completely new to me. I was uh, like, wow. I think they show up either. Oh, man, I can't remember. I've been doing a cap read through my own, and it's either at the end of the John Byrne run or at the beginning of the Mike Zek run where they bring in the motorcycle. But basically, one of his friends at the at the mechanic shop is like, you need a motorcycle. And he gives them one. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of the 70s Jack Kirby run. Yes, that's a that's good stuff that's too. That's where I am right now. Yeah, yeah. So the the boiler room that makes giant robots owned by Schumann. We're gonna go check that out. Then we have a, a trucker in Westchester County. Cue the X Men music. There you go. So he's cruising along, just listening to the radio, and suddenly his truck just shuts off. <laughs> No, no reason whatsoever. Just the engine goes dead. The radio goes off. All the electrics in his truck turn on. He's like, hey, what the, flaming? Right. I don't think he would have said flaming, though, but, you know, this comic's good. He pulls off to the side because he's able to steer. Yes. He fl- checks his rearview mirror and realizes that the uh, the door on the back of his rig is open. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. So he pulls a revolver out of his lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I keep my revolvers. <laughs> <laughs> And decides to go check it out, and there is a floaty dude on, like, a weird surfboard space pod thing, dressed in a red jumpsuit and a mask, and it could be anybody under there. He kind of looks like, a little bit like the Fly from Impact Comics. All right, a little bit. I I wrote in my notes, he's not Orion. Not Orion. He's like the Fly and Orion had a love child. (laughs) I want to read that comic. (laughs) Are you sure? No. <laughs> I'm not sure you do. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say this. Um, turns out that Big Barda was really jealous. Wait, no, she's Mr. Miracle. Damn it. Who's Orion's girl? Does Orion have a girl? Uh, I don't remember. I, okay, it's, well, I have so much trouble keeping up with all that. He likes Wonder Woman in the New 52, so we'll just yes. call it that. Wonder Woman's jealous. Yeah. Well, she's not the jealous. So anyways, in the back of his bay. Well, okay. So while the driver is getting terrorized by the by uh, 
the overrider, which he calls himself. <laughs> Worst name. I ever. call myself overrider because all the good names were taken. <laughs> and he goes, now I'm going to override your truck. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> that's exactly what he did. Okay. So yeah, that's if, if you have the power, I guess. Right. So while the overriders terrorizing the guy, giant robot is in the back pulling things out of the, of the bay. <laughs> It's like tossing boxes like he works at a shipping center. Yes. And um, guy tell, uh, overrider tells the driver to get back in the truck and I'll turn it back on and you're going to start driving until I tell you to stop. I don't think the driver even knows that Robot was back there getting himself on board. I don't think he does either. In fact, I'm assuming that originally Gruenwald wrote a panel where he over-explained that the robot weighed uh, half a ton and he threw away half a ton of boxes so the driver couldn't feel the difference. And that his, uh, his servo systems in his arms could detect the weight of each package. Yes, yeah. Yeah, probably. That sounds Grunwaldian. <laughs> okay, so they're driving along. He's following um, the overrider's directions. Uh, and then uh, to pass the time, you will tell me everything you know about the Adametco Metallurgy Company's security system. Right, because as a truck driver, you would be privy to all that information. Yeah, he's like, there, there, there's a fence, I think, and some guards. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you the deets on that. <laughs> right, right. Um, elsewhere in Westchester County, right, cue the I, the music. Um, this is my favorite bringing, panel of the book. Bringing the, um, the dude in? Yeah, because the last time we saw Wolverine, he talked about how if he ran full sprint, he could get the guy to the hospital in 40 minutes. And then the next time we see him, he is literally running through the hospital door, carrying the guy at a full sprint. So this must be 40 minutes later. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, there should be a caption elsewhere in Westchester County. It's been 40 minutes since we last saw Wolverine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 39 minutes and 17 seconds. Right. <laughs> so they run in and Wolverine accosts the people. Take care of this guy. It needs medical help. Move your tails. And so they, they, they take Bob Frank with his bastion skull and they carry him off to the hospital. Wolverine pauses, weighing his options. Should he, you know, stay there and watch for Nuclo or go after the assailant? He decides to go attack some bad guys. So he uses his keen animal senses to detect something out of place in the wilderness. He finds all the wrecked boxes from the truck that were just, you know, thrown out by the robot a minute ago. And they're yeah. labeled at Adametco, which I guess Adametco makes adamantium well why wouldn't it i mean the lego right. land makes legos <laughs> right very good i don't know maybe adam Edco publishes adam ant cds you never know ah yes so captain america's on his motorcycle and he comes across oh he drives up to his van he has a red van if that van were white it would probably be a lot scarier <laughs> right and uh, he decides to go try to investigate the schumann stuff but we really don't spend the time with him we go back to the the truck which pulls into adam Edco. He, the, the delivery guy is recognized, so he just gets right in. And what, once he gets inside, the overrider shoots him in the head or gasses him in the head. And he and the giant robot crawl out of the back of the truck and start terrorizing the adamantium plant. Yes, they do. They're going nuts. The, the reason that they're here is because overrider wants his giant robot, who, by the way, whom, by the way, he has been calling Tess yes. this entire time. So this is... Tessie, the giant robot, and the Overrider. They're not quite as impressive as, like, Siphon and Dreadnought from DC, but, you know, they're there. Um, And not only is her name Tess, but he calls the robot a her. Which I don't think ever really gets an explanation. No, I'm assuming at some point he looked up her metal skirt, but... (laughs) 
Maybe he's just really, really fond of this robot. Well, he built her, so I guess, you know. Right. Well, did he? That's... I thought that's what we found out, that he's the one who designed oh. the robot back okay. in the day. I, I don't know. The actual background story behind this whole story never really clicked in my head. See, I thought the old so. guy from World War II finished the project, and this guy found him for his personal vendetta. Okay, maybe that's what but it was. But I could be wrong. In any case, they're here to get some adamantium. They want to get the robot coated and encased in adamantium, right. which I thought was really interesting since Wolverine's in this story and we haven't had the Weapon X storyline yet where he gets his own casing of adamantium. Right. So this is sort of like a seed for that story to come later. Definitely. Um, yeah. And just some more odd precision of detail. First, all of its flexible joints are covered with a heat-resistant sealant to prevent the adamantium from hardening them. Right. Okay, great. Now we know how to do a robot. <laughs> <laughs> The guy in the truck wakes up and sends out a, a distress signal through his CB. And Captain America has a network of radio hams yes. who call themselves not the Teen Brigade. Oh, no, no. But Stars and Stripes. Perfect. But you know that he had to be thinking of Rick Jones and the early adventure stories when he did this. Yes, definitely. Definitely so. And just, by the way, this Abel Baker guy, he has extreme Mike Zek chin. If you look at the bottom of page 21. Mm, yes, he does. It's really out there. Yeah, literally. You should get a <laughs> warning label for that. <laughs> yeah. It's like a Ben Affleck chin. Have you seen with, with like the Batman oh my zoom in on the chin? And yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what? I don't know when this is going to go up, but I'm really, really looking forward to March. I don't know if you are. Yeah, I am. His his, his angry face is a little bit comical to me, but other than that, I think it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Cap goes and gets his van, or he's in his van. I guess he lives in his van. He's just sleeping in it. <laughs> Maybe. Down by is the that river. Cap is right now, just a dude in a van. Yeah. Down in a van, down, down by the by river. Down by the river. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So he's Van Cap, and um, <laughs> he starts heading out to the, does it say where he's going? Yeah, Adam Metco. So he's got the tip from Abel Baker and the Stars and Stripes Network that there's problems at Adam Metco, and so he's going to go down there. Meanwhile, Tess is all coded in her new metal. Captain America pulls up to the security guard, and security guard's kind of arguing with him a little bit, and Cap's like, ooh, there's a blinking light on your panel. For <laughs> <laughs> <Pulled> you. <laughs> <laughs> Wolverine doesn't bother with security guard. He just slices the chain link fence and walks in. Right, which was the alarm we saw. Yes, that's that, that's what caused the blinking light. So Wolverine actually helped Captain America get in. Yeah, without even knowing it. So Wolverine and Captain America run into each other, and this is not a friendly meeting. No. Because, to be fair, Wolverine's right. Captain America is a bit high and mighty and, and, and full of his own rightness. Right. Whereas Wolverine just wants to do the right thing, not necessarily the the procedural right thing, but the ethically, morally right thing. So he doesn't really have any time to mess with Captain America playing by the rules. Well, yeah, Even and, though Captain America did just, you know, technically enter without permission. And also Wolverine doesn't like to take orders. No, he doesn't. <laughs> and Captain America loves giving orders. So there's there's a there's an automatic kind of tension there. <laughs> And this is just shortly after the New Mutants and Avengers story where Captain America helped lead an assault on Magneto. Oh, that's so no good. Yeah. Captain America is not feeling too kindly about X-Men right now. Right. 
And it's pretty mutual. A lot the X Men at this point in time are kind of like, how come the Avengers never help us? <laughs> right. Are they ever not like that? Um, I feel like in the Blood Tie storyline in the nineties, they're a little more like, oh, I guess we should help mutants too, and then kind of get along for a little bit. But I don't know. So Wolverine and Captain America fight. Yeah, we get a a, a not as good recreation of the cover. Yeah, it's the same idea from a different angle without as much fire. Right. <laughs> so no fire claws. Um, but also it's just not colored as cool. No, it's so not. We can talk it, about it, that. The colors in this book are kind of in that mid-80s weird Marvel thing that they did. Yeah, well, this is sort of, I think, this is the era where people think of the classic characters. This is what they're thinking of. These are the color palettes that everyone remembers. Um, but the covers always went around, uh, not always, but often went beyond and around that. So you got more interesting looks on the covers you did on the insides. Right. Whenever it's the same printers, why can't they just do the same color palettes <laughs> on the inside? Yeah. So Captain America and Wolverine are fighting, but then Tessie, the giant robot, full with her new adamantium skin walks out and starts bashing on them as well. So it's just full-on um, action scene now with Overrider floating around on his surfboard doing a play-by-play. Oh, great. Now here comes security. Tess, we got to leave. Hey, I have a question for you. Uh, you, you. I think you've read more old Cap than I do. The material of his shield, does it change or do they just kind of sneak that around and not worry about it? Because at, at this point, and I kind of made a joke about this earlier, they call it adamantium plus like, it's kind of an adamantium, like, I guess, alloy with other metals in there with it. But nowadays, isn't it vibranium, or is am I making that up? I know in the in the movies it's vibranium. Okay. I don't know if they got that from the comics or not. I feel like the shield being vibranium is a thing that I knew before that. Um, I've I've been reading through Captain America, and, I, and the shield descriptions are one of the things I've been paying attention to. For a long time, it's just not described. Oh, okay. In fact, there is one issue of the Avengers where it gets destroyed, and he just has to go get another one from somewhere. Who knows oh, what? Um, I, I think they just like to forget that ever happened. Um, <laughs> because he, he, later on, he's always like, I've had this shield forever. Right. <laughs> so maybe the one that got destroyed was a spare he had that day. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but there is one point where they talk about how it's it's it can stand up to adamantium. Okay. So whatever it is, it has to be adamantium or something more than adamantium. Okay. Which when they said plus, my brain said maybe it's an alloy of adamantium and vibranium. Yeah, maybe so. So then they're both right. There you go. Right. Good job. Um, you get the no prize. <laughs> yay! Which will be not coming in the mail pretty soon. Right. Lots of fighting. Security guards show up. Tess and the overrider fly away and I'm trying to figure out who they're, who are they carrying away in the background there on the stretcher? Just random, random factory people. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming so security guards, whatever. Okay. So cab checks and Wolverine, make sure he's okay. They help out. They part on amicable terms. Actually, they're, 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 we, we both have some leads to follow up. You want to meet up again afterwards? Wolverine says, Richie's bar North of Salem center on country trunk M 10 o'clock tonight. So, you know, they have a date. It's yeah. So cute. <laughs> so now we start getting a little bit of backstory on our villains of the piece yeah we don't know that this is the overrider yet but this is the overrider and his civilian identity of mr Renselayer. yeah which is very disappointing looking i might add <laughs> he does not look like the love child of other flying orion anymore no no he looks like the love child of like tony stark and alfred <laughs> maybe yeah yeah I don't know. Or uh, he looks like an old actor, actually, is what he looks more like. So 
he's visiting his son in some sort of care center and his son is non-responsive because of he calls it he actually gives it a name nuclear psychosis this is 1986 and so fear of the bomb and fear of the cold war right. have driven this boy into a, uh, a waking catatonia when you gotta love how um politically correct 1986 was this place is called the volman center for disturbed children yeah. Was this a thing? I don't know. Like, did people really like break down over this? I mean, I guess they could have. Was it? Was there enough cases that it got its own name? Uh, I I just don't know. I mean, this is this is my childhood. I was seven in this summer, and I do not recall anything like this at all. I don't either. I remember wanting to blow up the Russians, but. <laughs> I didn't actually even get started get a notion of the Cold War until the Berlin Wall fell. And we started oh, really? learning about it in the after the fact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we always, when we were little, little, me and my friends always played guns. And it was always us versus the commies. So. Okay. Well, maybe my, my stepfather at the time and mother didn't have as much care about world affairs. And so I never really learned about it either. <laughs> Most of the TV time that the adults had was, was like MASH and uh, Golden Girls and stuff right. like that. So. I don't remember a whole lot of news when I was a kid. <laughs> but yeah, so Mr. Rensselaer has the giant robot Tess in the back of his van. So he visits his son, gives him a kiss in the cheek. Son's non-responsive. And when he gets into his van, that's when we find out that he's the bad guy. He's like, oh, Tess, I'm delighted to see you haven't run away on me again. <laughs> again? Does this right. happen? Right. Oh, yeah, because he went and pummeled Nuclear at the beginning of the story. That's true. That's the time he ran away. And then the overrider had to come back and override him. Right. Because that's what he does. That's what he does. That's what his surfboard is for. <laughs> so we get some flashbacks to Project Tess from Steve Rogers, who's at the Library of Congress. So I guess he drove his van. He's wearing some very crumpled clothes yeah, because he lives in a van. He definitely lives in a van. Because he pulled these really right out I'm intrigued by this. I, I want to get to this area of Cap just to find out why the <laughs> hell is Steve Rogers living in a van down by the river? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, this is during the time where he's kind of gone free agent. So he's no longer like working with or sponsored by the government. He's kind of at odds a little bit with S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess whenever that was true in the 70s with Nomad, he had Sam Wilson's apartment to check in. Right, right. But he also wanted to get in touch. He felt like um, kind of the the origin of the van story, not to ruin it, because he should be there fairly soon, I think, maybe. But um, basically he decides, you know, he's been stuck in New York as an Avenger fighting all these, like, world catastrophic events, and he wants to get in touch with the common American. So he basically jumps in a van and road trips across the country like, you know, being Captain America and not just Captain New York. So he's doing Green Lantern, Green Arrow 10 years after the fact? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting. It seems like the sort of thing Cap would do. Yes, it does. From time to time, he would just stop playing superhero and try to go be Joe American. Right. Because Steve Rogers has no identity, so <laughs> he's going to go be something else. We find out that Tess, the, the robot project of Tess, was done as a safety measure to protect against their army of super soldiers going rogue. Right. This but is the actually army of super soldiers never happened because uh, Erskine was gunned down, and so Steve Rogers was the only one who was left. And when he goes rogue, they don't need robots to stop him because he's still a nice guy. 
Yeah, this was actually the most interesting part of the issue to me. I know now, 2015, we've seen this kind of subplot like over and over and over again. But I don't, at least Marvel-wise, and you can speak to more DC in the 80s because I'm not as familiar with 80s DC. But I felt like this was not, it was a little more innovative back then than it would be mm-hmm. now. We had the, the whole idea of distrusting your heroes and putting in a safeguard against them. Right. Yeah, that's very modern, but it, w- it would not have been a big thing in the 80s. In fact, DC would not have touched this storyline probably with the 10-foot pole at the time because <laughs> um, the 80s, their superheroes were still very much, even Batman was still loved by children on the streets. So they were just starting to do a little bit of darkness. You had the Dark Knight story from Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, and you had Legends where one of the denizens of Apocalypse was stirring up the public against superheroes. But it was all like a we're going to do this and then resolve it and everything's happy again at the end kind of story. <laughs> nice. So Wolverine goes to the X-Men mansion. We don't see any cameos of any random X-Men, which would have been cool. Yeah. If, like Kitty was playing in the background or something. Right. Or one of the new mutants was, you know, he finds out about Richard Rensselaer. That's a really cool panel, by the way. I like the lighting and coloring on that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, his face is all lit up by the panels too. Yeah. You don't have a whole lot of that. With with all the bright screens that we have nowadays, you don't have a whole lot of facelit art in cool ways like you have here. Yeah. Because the whole room's dark except for his... Well, maybe maybe this, maybe he didn't turn on the lights. He walked into the room and left the lights off because who needs lights? He's Wolverine. Right. And uh, turns on the <laughs> computer and just uses the screen in the dark. <laughs> he never saw those PSAs when he was a kid. I've never watched TV in the dark. Well, you know, he can heal his own vision, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> If his eyes get cross-eyed or, his, right. uh, or get like bent out of shape, he just heals them back. Yeah. He would have really done well on those playground bets on staring at the sun. Right. Right. Just like stare at the sun until your eyes go blind and right. five minutes later, you're good. Yeah. And, you're, and the friend he was betting with is still blind. Yeah. Yeah. So he figures he's going to check out Richard Rensselaer before meeting up with Cap. Cap's going to check out Richard Rensselaer before meeting up with Wolverine. Uh-oh. Guess where this is going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Richard Rensselaer is getting a... Um, windshield job from the gas station guy while he takes a leak and the gas station guy is a secret member of the teen brigade i mean stars and stripes and so he goes and calls cap and he has a little cap poster in his room it's so cute <laughs> it really was it's a super like buff cap poster too i know like maybe uh maybe rob liefeld drew that i don't know yeah maybe <laughs> rob liefeld's 10 <laughs> no, <I'm sure. laughs> yeah. uh, well and to be fair, his art never really got past that. So I'm sure he drew about the same when he was 10. Actually, for all the smack that he gets, I actually have a, a pretty soft spot in my heart for a lot of early 90s image stuff. I yeah, mean, I kind of do too. So That's when I hit comics. And right. so Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld, those were, those were amazing art at the time. And right. I can't bring myself to hate it even now. <laughs> no, and, and there were things that, that he did that still look cool. Um, I know it's not in vogue, but like this kind of super gritty teeth thing, like it looked, it looked pretty badass. I mean, it did. It did. And it was new at one point. Right. It was cool until it became everything and flooded the market. Right. Familiarity brings breeds contempt. That's what they say. There was so much of, you know, a small variety of flavors of things that we just, everyone started to hate it. Right. So, yeah, at this point, I start to lose a little bit of control of the story because it's just a lot of action. (laughs) Um, Wolverine and Captain America and Tess and Overrider are all fighting at this command center for this. This weapon, this this artillery installation, 
Do we ever get an explanation of how Wolverine and Cap need to come here? Oh. I mean, it's kind of all show up at the place, right? It says that Red Slayer's living in Danbury, Connecticut, but we don't know how to get to Nebraska. Right. Well, okay, Captain America knew to come to Nebraska because he got the uh, the word that a 15-foot robot in the back of a rental truck oh. spotted 10 miles from Hadley, Nebraska. Okay, that's true. All right. I don't know how Wolverine got here. No, Wolverine just, uh, just smelled him, I guess. I guess, smelled him out. Or he and Cap met before they went to Nebraska. I don't know. Maybe they were both on their way and didn't meet up intentionally. Maybe like Cap was stopping and, and getting a quickie burger. Right. And Wolverine was, was strolling along by on a motorcycle or something. It's like, hey, <laughs> give you a lift, bub. Right. All right, bub. <laughs> I was just reading this and, and seeing the dynamic between Cap and Wolverine and how they just don't get along. And Cap has an inner monologue once Wolverine is such a loner, so volatile. I'm used to working with team players. Right. And I'm like, but you know, I think... Would a Captain America and Wolverine team up book work? Do you think? I think it could if the writer wasn't writing them both as kind of caricatures of themselves, which not to give away too much about how I'm going to end up feeling about the story overall. But um, I think if you nuance them both and have them meet a little more in the middle, it can be pretty cool. In fact, the uh, one of my favorite. Deadpool stories of the last several years is that Good, Bad, and... Um, was it actually called Good, Bad, and Ugly? I don't remember. But um, it was Declan Shalvey did a story about the three of them kind of taking on Weapon Plus stuff. And I mean, they would definitely butt heads a lot, probably constantly, just because, you know, Captain America is like American ideals and Wolverine's like, ugh. <laughs> but um, I think it can be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Cable and Deadpool is like... The, the worst pairing up ever, and yet it seems like it could work. Um, it, I mean, it did work for 50 issues, so right. they, they can make things like that work. But Deadpool's silly, and Cable's the straight guy, and so you get that dynamic. Yeah. Here you have two very straight guys. Yeah, and, they may be both be too they're very, serious. They're very different. So maybe it wouldn't work. But the way this all goes down is there's a moment where Wolverine uh, kicks the robot off balance, lands on her chest, shoves his claws into her neck and like he can't through brute strength get him down deep enough to sever the head so he's like cap ram your shield onto my hands to push my claws down into the neck well, and not... cap's like what I, what's what <laughs> well, not... just do it no time to argue right. so cap does it and i was like wow that is hardcore it was hardcore but let's not skip over what what grunwald actually says he said that Wolverine can't penetrate far enough. <laughs> yes, I've penetrated, but I'm not in far enough. <laughs> not to get the leverage I need. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem, Wolverine. Maybe you should have taken some of those 12 inches away from your claws and put them somewhere else. <laughs> what can I do to help besides keeping her from swatting you off? Yeah, but you're Which, right, though. That whole scene of him, like, hammering the claws into the robot, it's pretty hardcore. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, it was intense. I forget what we said earlier in the story, in the story that made me think of this, but this is this is pretty crazy. And he does sever the head of the robot, which I'm surprised that Overrider doesn't get a lot more angry about that. You killed Tessie! <laughs> of course, you have your classic 80s thing where... In the panel where you see the head falling off, Wolverine's like, head severed. <laughs> right. Later on, Cap asks him how he is. He's like, I'm bleeding a bit, but I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So then we get more of an overrider story. He just wants to uh, disarm all the nuclear bombs. Yeah, the man he went about it the wrong way, and now that now that he's been arrested, what's gonna, I mean, what's going to happen to his son? Right. They don't even address that. No, they don't. Yeah, not at all. We're going to another not quite as cool devil snicked on the bottom of page 39. But I do like the two panels next to that in the yellow and red backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Wolverine, like, just really trying to figure out what to do. Because basically, so Overrider is on his uh, Orion skateboard without the handlebars. And um, he's floating along and Cap throws his shield and knocks him off. And Wolverine's got his claws out and he's like, do I catch him with my claws? Or what? <laughs> yeah, I guess this right here is why a Captain America Wolverine team up wouldn't work. Because if Wolverine weren't there, Captain America would not knock the guy off the surfboard because the guy would die. Since Wolverine's there, he makes the call, knocks that guy off, Wolverine, catch him! And Wolverine has two choices. Well, three choices. He could just catch the guy and, and do what Captain America says. But no, 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 no. <laughs> the two Wolverine choices... Right. <laughs> Are to catch him with his claws, right? Or do nothing at all and let let him take the let him take the fall for Cap's decision, right? Which is what he does. Yeah, and, and he, he actually goes, point. he goes missed <laughs> <laughs> as he turns around. Right. Well, guys, don't look at explosions. <laughs> He's like the fall didn't kill him. I could have, and I didn't. What more do you want? Yep, and he turns his back on Captain America, and Captain America says, Don't you turn your back on me. I'm America, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like Captain America does climb up on a pretty high horse there in his last panel when he's like, Mister, you'd better hope the X-Men never get tired of putting up with you, because I guarantee you the Avengers would never have you. Oops. Um, who comes asking Captain America to be on the team a few years later? Right, right. I mean, sorry, who comes asking for Wolverine to be on the team? It's, it's Cap that does the asking, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, yeah. And also, the Avengers have killers on their team. They have people who are rough and, and rugged on their team. It's not well, yeah. like this has never happened before. In fact, right along next to this, in the Incredible Hulk right now, the Avengers all decide they have to kill the Hulk. Wow. Yeah. Now, granted, Cap is there going, um, I don't know if we should do this. But all the other Avengers are like, screw you, kill him. And five years later would be Operation Galactic Storm when they kill the Kree Supreme Intelligence. Right, right. So I can see, I can actually see Cap saying this in the heat of the moment to make a point. Because a lot of times we, we over, overplay our hand when we're in a, an emotional state. Yeah. But, um, but he is just wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> No, we get a final the panel that wraps up Nuclear. Wolverine goes and visits him in the hospital. Yeah, that was nice. But nothing about the kid. No, no. I'm, I'm just going to assume that he stays in a vegetative state forever. And that's our story. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> if Overrider had overridden all of the nuclear launch codes and um, disarmed all the nuclear bombs in America, mind you, because it's just American arsenal, right? He's not... uh, well, that's where he's starting. I assume that he would want to go international eventually. But Okay. Well, so then is he assuming that his kid is scared of the American bombs? <laughs> you yeah, think I don't that... know, because if, 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 if he's motivated by Cold War nuclear psychosis, then wouldn't he want to go and take out the enemy's arsenal? Yes, exactly. Wow. 
Overrider didn't think this through very far. He just found a robot and went for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He found a robot that would somehow help him along to his goals. <laughs> and an old goblin glider or something. I don't know what that <laughs> yeah. is. The hoverboard from Back to the Future 2, but with an eyeball. Right. Yeah, I'm going to eyeball in the front and little wings. It's a uh, it's a Segway without the handle or yeah. the wheels. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, it kind of looks like a little creature. They should have made it sentient. That would have made this story better. <laughs> The vehicle he's riding on actually talks to him. Yeah. Like ship from the old Star-Lord comics. Exactly. Right. Oh, man. All right. Well, so overall, what did you think of the art? Um. Okay. The art, it was very 80s. Yeah. Uh, it was very, it's like stylized without looking stylized, but it's right. not naturalistic either. And so it just comes off being, it comes off looking like a comic book is what it looks like. Right. That being said, I enjoyed it well enough. It, it certainly did the job. It's not any of the you know fine detail that I like in my comics, but you know I can I can dig Zek's artwork for the most part. Yeah. It certainly tells the story well. Uh, he's great at panel layouts and, and going sequential storytelling. I was able to follow it and read it all the way through. So to me, the art didn't blow me away, but it certainly worked well enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. It was definitely very Zeki and. It's not my favorite. Like I don't think it's his best output. Like if you look at his whole career, but it was it was good enough. I mean, for for every really cool Wolverine looking at the uh, camera, not the camera, look at the computer screen. For every you know cool panels there, we also have some really weird body panels of Cap and Steve Rogers with his clothes off, and it's just you know there's there's a balance of really cool panels and really weird panels. Well, what what panel do we have of Steve Rogers with his clothes off? 29 page 29 at the bottom during the flashback oh yeah he didn't rip his shirt off okay and it was... looks a little bit strange to me for some reason it probably shouldn't but it does right i didn't know if it was one of those weird 80s superhero shower scenes we used to get where you just randomly have captain america after his workout showering off or um... <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be complaining if it were sharon carter right <laughs> oh man all right well so what do you think of the story overall okay as we've gone back through it, the story obviously has some significant flaws to it. Right. <laughs> and yet, as I was reading it through the first time, I was really digging it. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a lot of cool stuff going on. I liked the dynamic between Wolverine and Captain America. I think that would, that that definitely uh, nailed where those characters are in relation to each other and in relation to their own growth right. at this point in their history. It's it's weird to think that growing up in the nineties, the, the eight, 1986 was basically almost the latest stuff. Right. And yet now it feels like the characters have come so much farther from where they were at that time. Right. So it does feel like it's early days now for the characters, but no, I liked it. The, the overrider, I don't know. He's, he's, he's you know. stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wrote in my notes between the two bad guys. I actually kind of like Tess's origin, but the overrider is just dumb. Yeah, Tess, Tess, the idea behind Tess was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I liked getting the adamantium on the robot. I thought that was neat because it plays in the Wolverine's mythos. Right. And um, the opening stuff, actually a lot of the opening I really liked. I liked the booby trap sequence. I mean, it doesn't make a lick of sense, but right. it was it was a great sequence of art and comics and um, the stuff with Nuclo and the robots at the beginning. So it's really... Until the overrider hits the page, I have almost no problems with the comic. I thought the book was pretty good until we got to the Center for Disturbed Children. Okay. That, to me, 
minus the because after that you do have a couple of cool pages but i thought that's really where the story is kind of like because once you kind of start explaining overrider like he just gets worse and worse <laughs> there is no redemption for overrider right sorry overrider you're yeah. done sorry and, and also, your kid's always gonna be dumb yeah <laughs> i also thought uh the only i agree with you i i enjoyed the wolverine cap dynamic the only thing i didn't maybe enjoy as much from Gruenwald is that the bickering, which I think would occur, and, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, that they're both very serious characters, though I would argue that Claremont made Wolverine a little bit snappier. But um, but their bickering was very humorless, which, you know, I could have gone for a little bit more wit in some of their arguing, because it really just sounded like a couple of old married people that didn't like each other. <laughs> yeah. And yet, at the same time, I can see Wolverine and Cap being that way to each other. Yes, yeah, I could too. So it, it's 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 not the kind of stuff that you enjoy reading, but it's honest with the characters. Right. Yeah, I can dig that. All right. Well, any other random or closing thoughts you want to talk about before we grade the issue? No, it was it, it was a pretty cool Wolverine appearance, and like I said, it, it, at times it felt like Captain America was the was the second player in his own book because <laughs> there was a lot of good Wolverine stuff in here. Yeah, there was. Um, I, I feel like it was, you know, a worthy addition to the to the Wolverine, you know, saga or whatever, the, the mythos. And it has some flaws, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. All right, so what are you going to grade Captain America annual number eight? We're on a scale of six. Yeah, out of six claws. On a scale of six, I'm going to give it four. Okay, uh, we're right together. I'm also going to give it four out of six claws. So, cool. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Captain America Annual Number 8. So, John, thank you again so much for coming on. I really uh, appreciate it, and it was fun to kind of chat with one of the the first podcast guys I ever listened to. So, that was really hey, fun. It was really neat. I didn't realize you'd been, you'd been around that long. So, yeah. um, I, I found... The podcast that goes snicked, I found back, oh gosh, it was a few years ago, and I was doing some Wolverine reading, um, and then I got sidetracked with other reading projects, and I just came back to it in the last few months, so I've been picking back your episodes. Of course, during that time, I went from being almost on par with you to being several years behind you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. You'll catch up. <laughs> so, um, and I'm not reading anything new right now from Marvel, so I haven't been following your ah. current coverage. Okay. That's, but, that's um, fair enough. But I'll, I'll get there. I'll get back to the new Marvel eventually. It's just not a priority for me right now. Right. So cool. yeah, it's, it's been, it's, thanks for having me on the show. It's been great. It's been a great listen. Yeah. I appreciate it. So for everybody else, um, why don't you give any plugs you want to give right now? Well, my two shows, The New 52 Adventures of Superman, new52superman.lipson.com is the website, and Avengers Inspirations with my daughter Lily is at the Complete Marvel Reading Order website, which is cmro.travis-starns.com, or just do a search for Complete Marvel Reading Order for the site or the podcast feed on iTunes. Awesome. And do you have a Twitter you want to share, or is that more personal? Uh, no, yeah, um, my... Twitter is at John Reads Comics with no H. You can drop a follow on there, and I um, do a lot of my random comics thoughts on Twitter. So I'll nice. post random stuff, to the, random panels from the stuff that I'm reading, trying to figure out why this exists or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I do a lot of that too, especially the non Wolverine stuff I read. I like to fill up my Twitter feed with random Batman and Avenger stuff. 
<laughs> or you'll get out of context theater when stuff looks unintentionally sexual. And right, yeah. It's always fun. <laughs> Especially when it's 1960s Supergirl. And you're like, why is she doing that? <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. As usual for the podcast that goes snicked, you can uh, leave an iTunes review if you want. Twitter is at SnickCast. Like the Facebook page, um, all that jazz. Um, show notes is snickcast.podbean.com. And I honestly don't know what will be next, but it'll be something fun. And so just again, one more time, big thanks to John. Uh, that was super fun. And until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.